Hello everyone, and welcome back to the Board Gaming Doctor. My name is Phil, and I will be your Board Gaming Doctor today. So after a brief hiatus from the podcast due to work, uh, I'm back, and I'm excited to talk about some of the games that I played while sparse in the month of June. Typically, I prepare ahead of time a sort of an outline or a script that I use for these episodes and post them to Board Game Geek. But this time I'm going to go off the cuff, uh, since I've had an opportunity to sit down and make this podcast without planning ahead, and so I'm just seizing this opportunity to to lay some thoughts down, so bear with me if they do seem disconjointed at any point. Anyway, let me start with the fact that uh, despite a very busy month for myself, I was able to play 20 unique games and play 58 uh, games uh, different sessions, basically, of of these games. And one new game that was available on Board Game Arena last month and is a Spiel des Jahres nominee at the time of this recording is Challengers. Challengers is a 2022 release designed by Johannes Krenner and Marcus Slawitschek with art by Jeff Harvey and published by One More Time Games. It is a relatively lighter weight game that plays in about 45 minutes and is a 1-8 to player game. And like I mentioned before, this game is available on Board Game Arena, and I've heard that there is a sequel named Challengers 2 on the way. And in this game, it's to sum it up briefly as an overview, you are building a short or tiny little deck, usually about you know 10 to... 15 cards or so, Uh, you start with about 10 cards, I would say, and you take this card, this this deck of cards, and you are pitted up against another opponent around the table, and you face off in a 1v1 match of quote-unquote capture the flag. You capture the flag when your cards that you play uh, exceed the number or the power of the card from your opponent, and those cards are benched and put into a kind of a, a discard special discard pile along the side of the board. They can, your opponent continues to draw cards from the deck, and if they draw a card or cards that in total power exceed the card face-up on your side, then they take the flag, you bench your characters, and it goes back and forth until someone can't draw any more cards, or if the cards, if your bench is completely full, of cards and you cannot bench anymore. The you know one person wins the match, they get some victory points from it, some trophies. There are other ways, other cards that you can play during the game that allow you to pick up uh, fan votes and and points as well. And you go through a series of matches against different opponents, accumulating points along the way. The uh, and and you get to add different cards to your deck and take them away in between these matches as well. At the end of it, the top two players will face the top two players with the most points will face off in a duel, and whoever wins that match wins the entire game. And that's challengers. And so it's a very quick game. It's a very uh, fast-paced game. Uh, and even so, on BGA, you can uh, auto battle basically and and have your decks reveal themselves uh, automatically until you have to make a choice, such as you know look through the your deck for a certain card and rearrange the order such as that. But I I love the implementation, first of all. I guess we can talk about 
the way that it was implemented digitally uh, was really nice. It's really clear on how to play. Uh, the auto battle feature is really nice too. Although I, I do recommend if you do play this for the very first time uh, as an experience with the app, you should uh, turn your cards one by one and do it analog and, and rather not have it, uh, or not, not automatically basically. That way you can learn the cards and see what, what they do and have the experience make more sense. When I played this the first time, I, I played it the first time and I did that and it helped me understand the game. When I introduced it to my family and friends to play over the over digitally, I, I did the automatic rule and it <laughs> kind of went over uh, some of the heads of, of some of the players. Even though it, it is a pretty straightforward game, trying to explain this game uh, over you know, without any context in front of you besides a screen can be difficult. Uh, and that's true for pretty much any game I've found in my experience over VGA. And so there is that aspect to it that, yeah, you know, it, it may take a few hands to kind of get an idea of what the cards do in general, what power means, what does it mean to capture the flag, etc. But overall, once I think that small hurdle is jumped over uh, with the rules teach this game becomes very straightforward and it becomes fun it kind of scratches that itch of deck building where you get to in between turns uh, figure out what cards you would like to draft from a variety of, of decks and and different types of cards add them to the deck and and potentially take some out and i, I like the aspect that you don't have to take one or two cards out you have the option to do so or not at all, right? And so there is a lot of leeway and flexibility as to, you know, build your deck and focus on a, a few certain cards that you get access to early on in the game. Maybe you want your deck to be a little bit bigger than usual. Maybe you don't. You run the risk of having too many cards in your deck. And if you keep losing, then you will fill your bench pretty quickly. But if your deck is too short, then you will run out of cards to play against your opponent. And so there is a fine balance to take in between that. And so there, there is a, some decisions that seem pretty tough. They're, they're, not, they're not easy, I would say. Or, I'm sorry, they are easy decisions to make. These, these cards don't really have a lot of text. Uh, they, they are pretty straightforward in what they do. But to accumulate those cards into a coherent deck that would more often than not gain you victory against other players... That's where the decisions come to to fruition that make for a slight, you know, um, give you a slight uh, opportunity of of making some tough decisions in this game. Of course, everything comes down to the luck of the draw and how your cards are shuffled in what order they are revealed when you do play against an opponent and what that opponent's cards look like as well. But overall, I think this game was really fun. I think I give it a 7 out of 10. I would definitely play it with some of my friends who enjoy more casual games and would play that again. And, and I would definitely play this more to kind of see what the variety of cards are offered in this game and see if there are some combinations that work better than others. I don't know how far I could take that if I do, you know, would want to invest a ton of time learning the strategy of this game. But overall, I, I was impressed by it and on how fun it was. Um, it, it was a little bit more challenging, I suppose, than I thought it was going to be. But in no sense is this a heavy game or anything, or includes a lot of tough decisions. 
And I really like the simultaneous play, which even with a really high player count can make that 45 minute game time uh, really become consistent. So uh, congratulations to this game for being nominated for a Spiel des Jahres. And we'll see probably soon who the winners are. But those are my thoughts on challengers. Next, I want to touch on a game that I have been playing very uh, repeatedly on Board Game Arena. And over uh, you know a couple of weekends when I, I did have a, t- a chance to sit down and play, this game was I was able to play multiple times, and I've almost reached 50 games of this of this game played. And that's Age of Civilization. Designed by Jeffrey CCH and published by Ice Makes. <laughs> Uh, this is a game that is, once again, pretty light to medium light, and it plays in 30 to 60 minutes, which I think it it, it plays a lot shorter than that, uh, according to my experience of with this game, and it's for one to four players. In last month's episode, if you didn't catch that, I really hyped uh, about this game. Uh, I, I'd been searching for a game that I could play uh, relatively quickly that did offer some good decisions and but in a in a very quick playtime and this game offered it to me as well as being immersive with the theme and and being just overall interesting for such a tight little game but in general this game uh like i mentioned before takes place over six rounds uh you the mechanisms of this game include worker placement and and, and basically you have a a whole row of different actions that you can take that are shuffled each time. Uh, You have three actions that you can always take on your turn, which include like building wonders, research, and um, getting uh, some money. But uh, the other three actions that you have available on your turn, you always have six available on your turn. Uh, Those will always be different based off of how uh, the worker placement track advances throughout these six rounds. And so, first of all, I like the the variability that comes with the worker placement in that, uh, where every game will feel a little bit different based on the order of what actions you can take. Uh, basic actions uh, give you, or I guess as an overview, these actions can give you money, uh, which is the major resource of this game, and use that money to either uh, research technologies. Everyone has a technology board. There's an optional variant to purchase a card that goes over your technology board to give you a little bit more asymmetry between yourself and your opponents. You can also spend money to build wonders. Uh, There's always uh, a handful of wonders from the game. There's a a, a grand total of of a few, uh, more, more so than players are available. But you choose, I think, the number of players plus one. Um, and they all have special abilities and, and ways to score points during and at the end of the game. And then finally, you can choose uh, money, or you can spend your money and workers to <clears throat> do actions that give you culture points, uh, or uh, victory points, I should say, by taking actions such as culture or build. In addition to that, at the beginning of every round, there are uh, six, I want to say there are six um, or so uh, civilizations available to, to pick from. These are asymmetric civilizations that give you, uh, that, or tell you, you know, how many workers that you get in this round, and they always have a special ability that is available on the uh, middle of the card, 
And at the bottom of the card, there's like an annex value. Basically, um, you can like rise and fall civilizations during this game. And if you pick up a new civilization, you can put that on top of your previous civilization. So your first civilization's annex ability at the bottom of the card is face up and continues to provide that that for you throughout the game while having the main ability be replaced by the new civilization. Or you can tuck it. You can tuck the second one underneath and keep the first one's ability viable. You can have up to three civilizations in a, you know, stacked on top of one another throughout the game. And when you do pick up a civilization, a coin is added to each other civilization that was not picked up, hence increasing the value for some of those other uh, civs during this game, which really helps with balance, I think, because every there's quite a handful, I want to say maybe 30 or 40 of these civilizations, and you, you know, only have, you only see maybe 10 of them or so in a game. And so there's quite a variability, uh, and I think that's a really uh, smart way to approach balancing these civilizations based off of the worker placement variety and the situation that you find yourself in. So this game is really fun, really fast provides really tight decisions, and the amount of skill that this game provides is one that I, I find intriguing. You know, I, I talked about Gaia Project last month, and the fact that Gaia Project is one of those games, as well as like Terra Mystica, of course, that it's based off of, where a lot of the game and a lot of the success of the game is strategically determined pretty much near the beginning of the game. And in Gaia Project, as well as in Age of Civilization, uh, you get to see the entire track of where, you know, in which order these worker placement spots are happening in. You get to see all the technologies that are, are available. You get to see most of the civilizations, uh, the ones that are picked up, you know, throughout the game. You probably will see, uh, you know, depending on how many opponents that you have playing against you, uh, only a handful of additional civilizations uh, under, you know, that are replaced and renewed. Uh, you don't renew any wonders. You get to see all of those at the beginning of the game as well. And if you do play with another variant where the last three rounds of the game, there is a certain event that happens where, you know, someone may lose money or everyone loses a worker or gains a worker, etc. Uh, you get to see that at the beginning of the game as well. So there are very little to no surprises when you uh, play through this game. And so it's a game that could be analyzed right at the beginning, and a correct or most correct path may be determined. However, the, the scale of this game is so small compared to games like Gaia Project that for me, <laughs> who you know is maybe not the most uh, uh, you know the brightest uh, board game player out there who can really see a picture and, and figure out exactly what to do or at least one that is learning to do so after repeated plays of this game, it's a little bit easier to accomplish that, uh, that skill and that feat uh, as you determine what the best uh, avenue of getting points is in this game as compared to a more complex game like Gaia Project. The, there is a skill ceiling to this game, uh, on Board Game Arena, you get to see the best players, and you, not only can you see their replays, but you can also see their stats. And there aren't too many stats to go off of, but 
after looking at Board Game Arena and how the best players compare to the, you know, average players as well as uh, average of all total players of this game, as well as the winners of this game, I learned the following. Actually, before that, from personal experience, I've learned that every game is variable and the total score can be widely variable just based off of the random setup. I've seen games where the winning score is like 15 or 17 points in in some of my games. And then in other games, they've reached up to the 40s. And so and that is completely based off of what has been predetermined. (laughs) So it's really interesting approaching, you know, having that experience through my nearly 50 plays of this game and looking at some of these stats as well. The some of the best players, they often, uh, according to the stats that are gathered here, such as how many coins do you earn and, and money do you earn in the game? Um, you get to accumulate shields, you know, to simulate the military in this game. How many do you uh, accumulate of those? How many technologies do you research on your own personal track? How many wonders do you get, etc.? And the numbers are very similar uh, to one another. There aren't of you know a great many deviations in in my quick estimate and i feel that that's the case because this game is so short and there aren't you know there aren't a lot of opportunities for numbers or avenues of play to be really uh delved into because this game only lasts six rounds and they're really short <clears throat> and so but some 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 of these numbers do stand out to me i think having you know if if you were to approach this game i I guess you can consider these some tips that i have based off of the numbers on bga as well as my own experience tip number one earning money is very important in this game Uh, if you do collect uh, a good number of coins you can you have flexibility to be able to purchase uh, the ways not only ways to get victory points which is through actions like i mentioned before through building through culturing etc but also you can spend that money on technologies, which can give you some avenues of getting those points as well, in addition to purchasing wonders. And so the gateway to all of those successful strategies um, come down to coins earned. On average, winners earn about 34 coins during the uh, space of the game. And so if you can, I guess if, if you need a metric to try to reach uh, try to get more than 30 coins during your game and earn them. Uh, military is important too. Uh, military, as determined by shield markers that you earn in this game, uh, on average, good players are getting about six or so. Uh, in, in a multiplayer game with two or more, or I was to say three or four players, the player with the least amount of shields loses a worker when a war occurs, which is determined based off of some of these worker placement cards. And so you don't need to fight as hard to avoid, you know, being the at the bottom of the totem pole if you, you know, get a few shield points here and there. And so I can see why having, you know, a, a lesser amount of shield points in this game uh, makes sense <clears throat> because you don't need to really um, pursue being the, the top dog in, in military in this game to win. You just need to avoid losing so you don't lose workers throughout the game and in addition to that how many workers do you typically use this one is interesting Uh, the best players often use closer to seven workers while 
most players are tempted to go to and, and pick up the tech or the the sieves that give you even more workers on average all players average about eight workers or so and better players average less and so that tells me that the amount of workers that you get from a civilization aren't necessarily what is most important but what is most important is what the civilization text and abilities offer to you to benefit you in your strategy. So I would pay attention to that unless there are circumstances where you do need some extra workers and, you know, I'm not going to get into all the rules which, which go into that, but suffice it to say that, uh, you know, look at the, look at the, the civilizations themselves for their abilities rather than the amount of workers that they're, they're given you because I've, I've seen sometimes in my games where I have lost or have not felt like I've been efficient, I've gotten too many workers and, you know, there aren't many spots that I can use them or otherwise I would have to sacrifice them and, and not be able to use them later on. So, so keep that in consideration. And then finally, uh, technologies, this is where uh, some of the best players do deviate a little bit more. They, they do tend to research technologies more often getting close to six uh, technologies on that board rather than the uh, four to five for other players. And so using those technologies and, and special technologies as well, if you play with that variant, can really um, impact the way that you approach this game for points. <clears throat> uh, wonders, usually, you know, it, it takes a lot of money and you sacrifice a worker to get a wonder onto your board. So most players get on average one, and that is pretty much the same across the board. There are games where you will get more than that, but usually it's going to be about 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 one. And usually, yeah, and then, you know, the number of, civil, you know, keeps track of civilizations raised or risen, you know, versus annexed, which you which means tucking underneath the card. Um, usually, you know, it's you rise to an annex one or something like that. And so you do want to end the game with three civilizations because not only do you gain uh, a cascade of different annex abilities as well as face-up abilities, but you also can get coins um, through that. And that's a good source of income and how you can get to that magic number of above 30 in your game to, to allow that flexibility for your strategy. So in a nutshell, um, focus on coins. Uh, coins are the gateway to gaining points in this game. You don't need to focus too heavily on shield points, especially in three to four player games, as well as in the meeples that you gain for civilizations uh, risen. But do focus on the civilizations themselves and technologies to really push how you know how many points you get. And not so much as wonders, you know, you, there are some good combos and a lot of points that are offered through wonders, but I found personally that the best ways to accumulate a good engine of, of points is to focus on uh, one of those point generating um, uh, abilities and, and worker placement spots such as culture and building and to uh, go heavily on that and find ways to be more efficient to accomplish those. So those are my thoughts in a nutshell about Age of Civilization. I really continue to enjoy this game. I have it rated as a 9 out of 10 because for me, in, in, in my situation right now, having a quick game that does offer really tough decisions throughout the game 
uh, in such a short amount of time in only six rounds with a theme that I really enjoy uh, is is really fun. And in addition to that, I feel like the the civilization cards are somewhat thematic to the civs that they are based off of. Like the Phoenicians are really good at trading, and so the uh, I think you get like extra coins or victory points if you do pick that civilization up and have them face up for you. And when you take a trade action, uh, things you know it, it helps to go better. Or you know if that's not the ability, it's something in that vein. You know I, I don't have every card memorized, of course, but I do feel like they the designer approached this game with the civilizations and and their strengths and weaknesses in mind as they were being designed. And perhaps that did give some leeway. And, and in addition to with the mechanism of adding coins to civilizations not you know taken by by players does add to the balance, a kind of an attacked on balance uh, mechanism in that regard to for these of uh, you know variations of cards. And I, I really enjoy ca- games with a lot of different cards and give you that feeling of like, okay, I I had all of these civilizations in this game. This this game was really special because I did this, this, and that with this civilization. I got this wonder. Um, I built, you know, I went this far up the technology track, and um, it's really fun to explore different ways to get these, gain these points to go up different uh, tech trees. You know, it's it's not very big. It's only three rows high, basically, for each uh, tech. And so, uh, yeah, it, it it's super fun, super quick, and a lot deeper than than it appears, and I think you will be rewarded for multiple plays of this game, and that is Age of Civilization. And finally, to round out this impromptu podcast, I want to talk about inventions, evolution of ideas. This is the new Vitalicerda game that is being released this year on Kickstarter. At the time of this recording, I believe the Kickstarter is still going on. Um, art by Ian O'Toole published by Eagle Griffin Games, a really complex game rated at 4.5 out of 5 on Board Game Geek, and it plays in one to an hour and a half or so, or one to two hours, basically. So quite a, uh, a quick game considering the weight, but it does make sense knowing the designer, of course, and this plays to uh, one to four players. By the way, this is the game that won the poll from last month on the game that I should play and and focus on it last month, which was difficult to do. <laughs> but you know, I uh, I did I was able to approach this game slowly, piece by piece, and and you know, kind of come to terms of you know how well does it play and and you know where could I see future games leading to, as well as comparing it to uh, other. Uh, Lacerda games as well as other games in general, and and so this this game beat uh, Tilatum by just one point basically, and so I may need to cover that game uh, next, and so uh, hopefully I, I can now that we're kind of getting to con season, kind of mix some of these these games from last year that are you know being released this year. Uh, I, I do want to do a list near the end of the year where I do talk about my experiences with all of the games that were hot last year that were on my radar that I'm starting to play through now, in addition to continuing to keep up with the latest hotness and games that are coming out soon. But in any case, let's talk about Inventions. So this game is a civilization-themed game. It's not even a civilization-themed game. It's more of a 
uh, kind of take the technology tree uh, aspect of civilization games and kind of extract that and and have that let's say the um, thematic tie-in of a heavy euro kind of experience where you have a central board with a map of the world and in different areas of the world starting in the stone ages different ideas of inventions and and uh, ingenuities basically are being proposed invented on innovated on and then shared with the world and so the way that you accomplish this is in Lacerda fashion you have uh, you know a relatively easy and and condensed way to choose actions from uh, you have eight different actions that you can take and there are some limitations to which ones you can do so that way you don't take the same action over and over again but basically you place a pawn down in an action slot you take a cascade of actions which is very typical of these types of games and you you, you basically are playing cards to the the board um, gain, gaining resources and and in the form of different workers uh, that represent different schools of thought basically you have wild um, scholars as well and playing them on the board not only to help uh, invent ideas but also to move around the board and um, you know serve as a kind of a an area majority type of um, uh, in, in, in scoring or uh, as you get to points where you can score um, you you have that available to you as well um, there are different uh, areas of the board as well that uh, you know play a part in what kind of technologies can be produced or, or even thought of or invented you know you have to have your own civilization has to have knowledge of a certain you know uh, certain way of, of thinking or a, a predilection of you know like you need to know about transport or you need to know about copper smelting basically in order to develop plumbing for example and you know it it, it makes uh, thematic sense and logical sense you know thinking about the history of way you know processes and inventions were made in history as they progress uh, throughout the year and in this game you do progress through i think five or six eras um and as you do so you uh, see the evolution of ideas from the stone age and you know the the brass age the bronze age all the way to modernization in a very similar fashion as to through the ages um, which is a civilization card game by uh, Vlada Shvatil. Uh, in addition to that, uh, you have a personal uh, tableau, which not only keeps track of the uh, workers that you have, but also kind of a personal area where you can, um, when you do certain actions, you can acquire these technology um, tokens, basically, that offer some unique abilities, and you can play them onto your board and there is a little bit of a puzzle aspect to where you can place them on your board, where you can gain uh, benefits and resources from those as well, and offers a, a different puzzle in addition to the puzzle of the main board, where you are moving workers around, and and you know when certain inventions are made, uh, you, you you want to play a part of those different inventions and have people in that area that is uh, where these ideas are being shared, in order to take advantage of opportunities to score points, you know. Uh, so, of course, this is a very heavy game. There are a lot of different rules and nuances 
to how that is accomplished, but that is a basic overview of this game. Um, what I like about this game is that it, it obviously feels like a typical Lacerda game where there's a lot of thematic integration to a heavy Euro experience. I think it does a really good job of in, uh, um, abstracting the process of having ideas being created you know, in isolated parts of the world. You know, this game brought me back to, to high school, like world history class, where, you know, one day we were learning about uh, the ancient, you know, cultures uh, in, you know, in Africa and Middle East. You know, they, they came up with certain ideas about astronomy, about mathematics. And then the next day, you know, we, we jump over to Asia at the same, in the same period, and this is what they were learning, you know, or, or figuring out fireworks and gunpowder, etc., and then you jump over somewhere else and, you know, they're developing this. And, and then finally, oh, you know, there's the Silk Road. And so ideas are being being shared. And you can see you can see that abstraction and the storytelling of our own personal world history being played out in an hour or two in this game, um, not for the civilization or the military or or even the you know society um, building up of cities and towns. Games such as like Mosaic or uh, that that do approach this topic in 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 that traditional sense of what a civ a civilization game looks like, but this this one strips this game strips back all of that and only approaches the the inventions and the the progress that people have made independently of one another, and then soon having all of those ideas mesh together and be re-implemented or uh, innovated on upon in an abstract way, of course, in this game. But, um, but as, as people learn more about these, these processes, uh, knowledge is shared. Um, and once knowledge, that kind of knowledge is shared, then you yourselves are allowed to build, you know, different cards in the future and have access to, to making progress in that vein. And so, and, and then tacking on the ability to do this efficiently and well, in the form of victory points makes this a euro game and so i think i think it's really clever the way that that is implemented you can see some elements of past lacerda games in this game as well i would say the movement around the board kind of and maybe i'm thinking about this personally uh since i recently played it but lisboa um this the movement of your pawns around the world kind of reminded me of Lisboa when you are, you know, placing your tokens onto the the influence track so you can be able to take different actions with those nobles, those three nobles that are on the, the face of the cover as well as, as a major portion of the game. And so you have that aspect in addition to the, uh, the way that you have asymmetric powers being added to your own personal tableau. Um, on Mars has this Lisbo Lisboa um, has this differently, but not not really in a in a single tableau. But you do have an area where you can have asymmetric abilities that are acquired throughout the game. Um, but I, I guess on Mars is a better example of that. But you have you know the ability to do that, um, and uh, yeah, really build upon uh, different ways to score points. In addition to what I feel like the main mechanism of scoring points in this game is which is um inventing ideas and sharing them <clears throat> and and playing as much of a part as you can 
in the you know acquisition of knowledge uh, throughout the different uh, areas of the game or, or the different areas of the world on the map uh, and and playing the part of different inventions and speaking of inventions that I think that really plays a part or that has a tie into weather machine the latest game before this uh, was released I, I talked about that last month I believe and I, I can see some of the DNA of that game in this one as well where it's important to um, kind of play out to like in, in weather machine you have different uh, you know weather types that are being you, you know ahead of time that they're going to be activated and if you can plan ahead and you know place a worker or a robot or a machine part in a, uh, a future weather action that is about to be taken, then you can uh, prepare for that and harvest a lot of victory points from that. In this game as well, I, I get the feeling of that too, where you you see what kind of inventions are being, you know, you, you take a step back, let's say, you know, <laughs> um, it's not like these inventions are held close, you know, close at hand to to the other opponents. They are face up on the board. And so you, you, you do have a kind of a meta experience of knowing what inventions are going to happen, even though you're not, you know, your society, quote unquote, may not know about it yet. But as a player, you do have the opportunity to kind of, um, <clears throat> uh, you know, place your, uh, gather enough of the right, you know, people, people resources in, in your supply and assign them to different ideas and move them around the board to be able to um, tag along to as many inventions as possible so you can uh, reap the rewards and I like that aspect as well as you know many like in weather machine many people can play a part in a certain invention or a, you know a major event that leads to a lot of victory points a lot of players can chip in or maybe one player has a majority of of the invention that is is created you know in, in that uh, in that instance, and so they get a lot more victory points, but there is the opportunity to kind of share in that as well. So it's kind of a semi-cooperative uh, venture in that sense. Very similar to like you know shipping goods in Lisboa, uh, building out the the colony in Mars. Um, I, I've seen I, I see that a lot in Lacerda games as of late, where there's a lot of semi-cooperation in order to gain victory points as long as you do it more efficiently and perhaps have more hands in the pie, as it were, uh, then you, you ultimately end up winning. And so, yeah, I, this game is, is a learning curve. You know, I, just like any other Lacerda games, even though, um, and, and I do want to address some of the thoughts that I had on Weather Machine that I mentioned in the last episode and kind of clarify, um, I, there were some comments that were made on the, uh, blog post in, uh, a lot of support for Weather Machine in, in particular about how it is a wonderful design. And I agree. I think I think all of Lacerda's designs have been very masterful. Um, it takes a lot of energy and a lot of expertise to be able to make a game so heavy and so full of decisions and yet to have it so thematically integrated as well to the topic at hand that I think e even Weather Machine, I feel like, is is a masterpiece compared to a lot of games out there. But I, I think what did it for me when I meant that the, you know, the theme was too abstracted or when someone else, a reviewer, you know, criticizes the game for being too abstract, maybe, maybe it's not that the theme was 
or the, the, the mechanisms are too abstracted, but the theme itself does not have enough juice or enough um, hooks to be able to make it uh, more intuitive in the, uh, in the thematic grasp that, and, and integration with mechanisms. In Weather Machine, first of all, the Weather Machine is is a scientific, you know, science fiction idea, and so we don't naturally have that, I, you know, idea to cling onto. But the process, I, I think, it does a really good job of of simulating the process of research and collaboration and citations and, and things like that. Like I mentioned before, and I'll, I I go into that a little bit more in depth in that past episode. But that topic in and of itself is not as uh, it's maybe a little too dry <laughs> for for me. Um, e- even coming from you know that that is a part of my profession is research, uh, and and you know playing a part of that. It's not perhaps the most uh, exciting part, in my opinion, and that I that I take part in. And so even even with that background and perhaps a lot of the backgrounds of those playing this game, I uh, can see that as well. It's not something that is uh, necessarily uh, a draw in for me versus Lisboa uh, versus this game where the the sharing of ideas and seeing civilization progress through the lens of technology I think that's pretty interesting and so and so both games are masterfully crafted uh, the mechanisms are sound uh, the the way that you approach the game is very very interesting and this game has more of the same uh, it's hard to to place this game uh, weight wise as far as the learning curve is concerned versus some of these other games. I think I think because of the fact that many of us have played Civilization games before and kind of understand technology trees and tracks for in in a sense, maybe this game is a little bit easier to learn. Um, and if you have played Lesser the games too before you understand the the core values that he has in his games where you take an action and when you take an action that really means a cascade of actions and you are looking for opportunities to get to actions that you can't straightforwardly take on the forum board um, whereas you know those are the worker placement spots that you have but you can you can chain actions in this game and take secondary actions uh, as you can in many of his other games as well and so so understanding that that is present here, but just in a different skin, is helpful to learn the game. But then tack on the the fact that it does approach like technology-driven tech tree type of you know games, and it's kind of an iteration on that uh, can help as well. I think I think. But um, other than that, you know, it's I I you know I, I give it an eight out of ten. I I think I would rather play this. Than Weather Machine, I would rather play this than On Mars. I think I'm not sure that you know how I feel about it compared to Lisboa. I think in Lisboa, I really like the shared, you know, store, the the four um, roads that you have in the stores that you're building on that part of the board. It's it's there's a lot of competition and shared uh, points that are offered there which I really appreciate in games such as Lisboa, such as Barrage, such as um, other games like that. I'm trying to think of some others, but uh, Brass, for example, uh, you have a lot of 
shared infra- infrastructure that you're building on and um, some actions that other people do, you can benefit from those and vice versa. And it's all about you know giving and taking and, and playing to each other's strengths and weaknesses in that sense. And so uh, that I feel like is missing to a degree in inventions. I think um, I think the area majority aspect of this game is interesting and uh, can kind of help play a part in that. But I I really think the core of this game is basically uh, preparing yourself to in, invent cards, um, just taking the actions actions necessary to have enough uh, workers and and you know specialized people to be able to invent those or innovate on them and and see those through rather than playing a game of, of having the most in, in, in that area majority fight, basically, on the world map. Uh, the, the personal board is interesting as well, but it's, it's, basic, it's a very standard, I think, um, take on tableau building uh, that is seen in other games as well. Uh, the first game that comes to mind is Praga Kaput Regni by Suhi, where uh, you, know, placing, you have a, a plethora of different spaces that you can place on, and you basically kind of choose the space that aligns best at the moment, uh, as well as with your overall strategy. And you're, you know, you're placing tiles on that to gain a benefit as you place it on, and as well as what is face up. And so, and so, I don't think there's a lot of, you know, puzzliness that is that is offered. I think the the meat of the decisions aren't focused on your own personal tableau. It is basically on the cards that you're inventing, which I do like, you know, I, I do like a game with a lot of different cards. It adds variability and it just makes the game a little bit more interesting to me, which is why I do place it higher up on the Lacerda games that I would turn to. Um, but of course, you know, for who I play with, uh, this game is very heavy and uh, would only be brought out very sparsely if I were to own it. And so I'm not, you know, you know, going out to buy it and, and, and really sink my teeth into it. But, uh, you know, I, I feel like it's a game that I think has a little bit less replayability because I don't think there are a ton of variability in the cards to make every game feel, you know, too different. I think the Decree cards in Lisboa, for example, do offer a lot of replayability. There are a ton of those, a ton of clergy tiles, etc., that can make every game feel very different. And so and have different focuses on how you achieve your victories in addition to approaching the main strategy, which is building, you know, building buildings and, and public, you know, uh, spots and et cetera. But in, in this game, I, I do see the flow of the game very being very similar with slight nuances here and there, uh, which is fine. Uh, but I, I don't see a lot of opportunity for, you know, crazy, you know, plays or, or different, you know, winding avenues of, of, journeys that you take through this game to get to the destination of as many points as you can get. And so while it's fun and I like the theme, I like the cards, um, I do find the replayability a little bit lower on first impression compared to some other Lacerda games like Lisboa. But I still really enjoyed my play of it and and given 8 out of 10. And that is Inventions. So that is all that I have for you today in this impromptu uh, episode. I hope you enjoyed it if you stuck around to the end. And look forward to talking more <laughs> Uwe Rosenberg, of course. If you um, don't know, I, I love Rosenberg games. Those are my favorite games of all time. 
collectively and uh, we do have some news to take take on and discuss and we'll see what else uh, happens in the next couple of weeks to talk about and I uh, hope to prepare a more uh, thought out um, podcast episode by then but thanks for for joining me on this on this journey and this episode hope you have a great July and hope you schedule an appointment with your board game doctor real soon take care <laughs>